You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Welcome everybody to the Seeking Excellence podcast. For this episode, I'm very excited to have one of our Seeking Excellence team members on today. It's one of our introduction episodes with my man, Seth Slayman. So Seth is engaged to one of my favorite people in the world, Tori Sanders, is also one of our blog writers and who has also, uh, just a few weeks ago, you would have heard her introduction episode on the podcast as well. So Seth, very excited to have you with me today. Yeah, thank you. It's awesome to be here. Um, it's great to be spending some time with you on this Sunday evening before Labor Day. But yeah, we've had a great day and uh, I'm just excited to hop in here and, and do this with you. We have. You got to have your first Father Meyer experience yes. today. How was that? Um, it was quite an experience. He's a great guy. He's um, a hell of a time. He's awesome. So I'm glad I got the introduction. Um, he seems just like a, a real ball of fire to have in there. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good to have a ball. He is, uh, yeah, he's just a great dude. Just a great dude. So He's awesome. You know, what I just realized is a lot of people are probably recognizing your voice now as the the intro to the podcast. This I is hope what so. people are going to It's kind of cool. That was my introduction into the the world of um, audio for sure, and as yeah. well as uh, yeah, just to be a part of this experience and be like podcasting. It's just so weird. It's a strange thing. It is, yeah. And I'm sure you <laughs> had some some awkwardness coming with oh, it, but absolutely. it's. <laughs> When you, I think, and especially if you listen to so many podcasts and like you're kind of familiar with it and you kind of get this experience, what it's like to do it. Oh, it just seems so easy. You're like, oh yeah, it'd probably be so easy to right. hop on Yeah, there. just natural, right? You, just get after <laughs> it. you start to do it. You're like, no, this is kind of awkward. Yeah. I'm like in my apartment by myself sweating, you know, like I'm uncomfortable and nervous. I'm like, there's nobody here. Why am I uncomfortable? Why am I embarrassed? Yeah. You know, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. But obviously, so you do a lot of our podcast editing, yeah. some of the random stuff that we have to do for SE. You're engaged in Tory Sanders, which is a huge feat, but yeah. tell us a little bit more about your background and your life so people can get to know you. Yeah. Um, well, great. Um, I'm originally from Paola, Kansas, which is 45 minutes south of Kansas City. Um, really 6,000 people live there. Nothing huge. Went to a high school. Of, yeah, there's nothing huge about 6,000 people. <laughs> went to a high school of 800 people. I mean, it's rural Kansas. Right. Um, there are some some corporations there, which is surprising. Wow. But yes, so went there through, I actually went there in third grade, uh, went to a smaller school about 10 miles south of that before. And my family's originally from a town called Osawatomie, but moved to Paola, went to public high school. There wasn't 
I was, I was baptized Catholic, but never really practiced. Right. Um, never, you know, you go to church on Christmas and Easter and sure. that's about it. A little creature action. You generally yeah. say you were raised Catholic with the, the air quotes, the, right. the scare quotes right. as they say. Right. And I went to Sunday school and right. that's, that's all I really knew. And I didn't pay attention. Uh, but I did, I did go to Paola through public high school, went there, played baseball, played a couple of sports. Pitcher, yeah. Yep, pitcher. And, well, in high school, I was a little more than that. So. Right, sure. At Paola. <laughs> Let's see, 800 kids there. There <laughs> right. had to be more than a pitcher. That's right. But, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. And I'm, like, really grateful that I went to public high school. Not many people. Really? I feel like not many people say that. But it does experience you do a lot of diversity that you wouldn't have at a private high school right? or, you know, I don't even know what that's people talk about some of the private high schools that they went to. And I don't really know what that's even like, so I don't want to even try to put it into words, but it just seems like middle-class white kids and there's not much, there's not much outside of that. Not that, not that that's a hundred percent true, but not that Paola was any, <laughs> any different in its diversity. Right. But as far as incomes, there is definitely more, more diversity as far as a poor population there mm. for sure. Um, but I, you know, I was grateful for that experience and I did have the opportunity um, to continue after school playing baseball. My grandfather actually went to Benedictine. That's before right, it was yeah before it was actually saint he went to saint benedict's high school and he was the oh, last wow. graduating class in atchison kansas yep before it combined into god's country uh yeah <laughs> before it combined into more hill which is what it is now so it was um i forget what the name of the women's academy is scholastica saint mount so. saint that's right yeah. yeah it's mount saint scholastica or something like that something with scholastica pray for us uh, <laughs> But they combined and became more hill. And yeah, my grandfather was the last graduating class of St. Benedict's High School and then became St. Benedict's College, which he might have went for a year or two there. Right. But I always knew that I'd be interested in it. So I went up and checked it out at least and got offered a baseball scholarship, decided I'd take it. Um, I knew that I wanted to do that. I knew I wanted to play baseball and continue, continue my athletic career. Had no clue what I wanted to do in school. Yeah. Luckily, uh, I did end up doing that. Had no clue what I wanted to do freshman year. So, <laughs> you know how it is freshman year. You take oh, yeah. like bare minimum amount of classes. Right. Just trying to get by. Exactly, you're trying to survive. Dropped a couple classes that I thought were hard. Uh, it's funny, my Classic. first, you had to take theology classes and philosophy. Freshman year. Yeah, I think that's so interesting at Benedictine. Which is really nice. Because we don't do it until junior or senior year at the Mount. Yeah, well, you have to take at least three, and they usually just throw you in one, especially yeah. if you don't know what you're doing. They'll yeah. throw you in some. So you were prime audience for that. And, man, that was rough. Intro <laughs> to theology. Got a D. That was my first D ever. No, you did Yes. You got a D in college? Dude, it was bad. Wow. It was bad. Um, I won't it's roast. It's just hilarious. I'm not going to roast yeah. the teacher. Yeah. I'm not going to put it on him. I'll wear it. I'll wear it. Own that. <laughs> put that shirt on, baby. But – yeah, that was a very humbling experience, especially when you've yeah. never had anything below like an A minus. Really? Oh yeah, I can imagine. But did that, 
immediately turned me off to theology. That was rough. <laughs> and then luckily, like you've already said, um, my fiance, Tori. Tori Sanders. She, she's a year behind me. So I didn't really, all of sophomore year, we hadn't really met yet, but I actually came up with what I knew I wanted to do. So I ran into accounting and finance, right. decided to become an accounting and finance major that year, which was awesome. And then the following year, we met early on our junior year. And yeah, something that it was actually funny. We just finished up our marriage prep, one of our marriage prep classes. And they were like, what did you want? Or like, what did you notice in the person that was, what, that was like the first quality? Yeah that like kind of stuck out and I can always recall, like I always wanted to look for a woman that had faith. I never really had any, I never really had any experience with faith other than, like I said, just my Sunday school classes got confirmed. That was it. Yeah. That was it. And it was just so strange because I knew that I always wanted that out of somebody. So it was, um, He's good to meet her. I obviously had to make a lot of changes in life and that came with time as we'll get to. Right. But yeah, we went through junior year, uh, went well. I actually decided after my junior year to quit baseball, a new coach had come in. Um, it was very difficult for a lot of us, especially the guys who were there and who were recruited not by him and his new guys came in and they kind of took over and that was, that was fine. It was just a difficult decision, especially when you don't want to stop playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was hard. And after that, it did give me the time to just focus on school in my senior year. If you're senior year, you want to have fun. Sure. And I met a lot more people that year than I ever would have met had I not played baseball. I believe it. So that was good. Graduated. In May of 2018, and you know, I, if we're going to get into everything, Tori um, actually broke up with me the day after graduation, which wow. was incredibly difficult, as you can imagine. As yeah. You're about to <laughs> change a lot of things in your life. Huge transition. Like, Huge Go ahead transition. And, toss it. and you had been dating for over a year at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. Which and, in Benedictine uh, terms, like a decade. So you're like. <laughs> Surprised we didn't have a ring on. I'm saying, <laughs> and said you break up. That's tough. I was actually leaving for a pilgrimage to the Holy Land the mm. next day. That's right. Um, so that was awesome. I, I, it was actually like good timing because had I not had that, it would have been a you know it would have been a different experience in the Holy Land, right? And it would have been good for it was good for me to like go through that and figure all that out in the Holy Lands. I didn't originally intend when I was like signed up for the Holy land, I was like, this is going to be cool just to like travel, you know, right. I, I, yeah. pilgrimage, You're pilgrimage or not. I just want to go see Israel. And but your faith, your faith was obviously a little bit, a little bit more advanced it had at that grown. point. Yeah. It had grown, but your hate for theology had decreased. Love yes. for Jesus increased, it had, but you're still not like sold out at that point. No. And I was still making, you know, I was probably receiving not in a state of grace at that point. Right. Making some suspect so, decisions. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, <laughs> you just go through so much and you don't really, Absolutely. you don't recognize what you're going through for sure. Um, or what, just a what transformation you're walking up happening. there with. Yeah. yeah the so. Transformation's happening and the seeds that have been planted in you that have started developing. You just yeah. have no idea. Yeah. yeah. So you're about to go get your world rocked overseas. Yeah. So I go 
go across, across seas. Had an awesome experience. Went with 20 people and yeah, it was great. It was great. That's a whole, that's a whole conversation. I believe it. But came back and you're getting started in the real world. I had a roommate and yeah, I had very two, I had two. You're living in Kansas City at this point? Yeah, in Kansas City. I had two very clear paths of like, you just went through this very intense emotional period. You can either, you can either go like hard and party a lot and like deal with it that way. Or you can walk this path. The classic route. The easy route. Yeah, I would say the easy route. For sure. Because at that point, that's kind of like, that's kind of what I'd known. I was like, all right, I could easily do that. And not to say that I didn't do that. Like I definitely fell into that, fell into that a little bit. Yeah, I think that's so important because I think there's so many times people always think it's like a cut. You're either doing one or the other. Yeah. And a lot of times you can do both. And not not that we're encouraging people to do both, but at least at least always bring in the Jesus aspect of it. You know, even if you're going to go out there, because that's such a, and we're going to talk more about this, but such an anchor in my life all the time was the fact that no matter where I was at or what I was doing, I was always going to Sunday Mass. Right. And I said, no matter how far you fall off, no matter how wrecked your life gets, no matter what happens, you got to go to Mass on Sunday. And that's why, because that was going to hold me down through that. Even if I was dealing with stuff and I did over and over, dude, the last 10 years, yeah. it's a mad, you know, how many times I had huge setbacks come back from deployment, breakups, whatever, where I, I pushed into partying and girls, whatever it might be, yeah. and just dealt with my emotional pain or the transition in a very toxic way. Yeah. But the anchor of daily mass, or not daily mass, but Sunday mass, and some yeah. daily masses and prayer mixed in with that, God, yeah. you got to give him, you got to open the door for him though. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's awesome that you were, even though you, yeah, just acknowledging that both were happening. It's not like you did 100% one, because that's what I think everybody assumes. It's like, well, I didn't have this, full 100% transition where I gave up all partying and drinking. And some people do turkey. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think 3% of people who have conversions, which is mainly what we're going to talk about today, have it like that where it's like, you know, Paul to Saul, where you fall off the horse, you get back up and you're a saint. Like most people, it's very, very gradual. Yeah. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. So kind of like you said, I being at Benedictine, it's very rich in Catholic community. Absolutely. So it was easy to go to a daily mass. It was easy to go get some prayer time and adoration yeah, going into the distance, real world. Multiple options. Walking it's distance. much different. It's much yeah. different. So I had to seek those out and I knew that. So like going out, I was like prepared for that. So I was seeking out, I was seeking out a daily mass if I could fit it in at lunch. Right. I was sitting out or seeking out an opportunity to, to go to adoration for 30 minutes, even if I had no clue what I was doing there. Like, right. I didn't know what a prayer life was at that yeah. point. Um, so yes, I was lucky enough to, I, I went through that period of my life as probably six to eight months of doing that consistently of going to mass daily mass, getting some prayer in, making sure to go to Sunday mass for sure. But also like Friday and Saturday night, you know, let's get some tequila and let's yeah. go, go nuts. Let's have some fun. Like we're 23 years old. Let's right. have some fun. And I got invited to a Bible study for Lent. Which still doesn't sound like a bad time. No, it was, it was a great time. <laughs> but sometimes when you're walking into Mass and you're like, man, I yeah. don't know if I should be here. Right <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not ideal. But you, like, you generally want to strive to avoid yeah. that. <laughs> now I know that. Yeah, now amen, I know amen, that. Amen. We've been there. But I got invited to the Bible study <laughs> and kind of like you were talking about, and it's so great to just be around when you're in your own head and you're not around other people who are also striving after that, uh, 
you don't, you don't have the sight of your own flaws. Yeah. And what I got to experience with this Bible study, you don't get exposed was man, I'm living two different worlds and kind of how you were explaining Paul to Saul. People don't recognize that they're standing one foot inside Mm. the church and one foot outside the church. Right. And yeah, just not being conscious of the fact that those decisions outside affect what's going on inside. And you can't really do that. Like you need to take two steps in somewhere, whether it be outside the church or whether it be inside the church. But yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to come to that conclusion if you don't have somebody, if you're not allowing somebody to critique you or not allowing somebody into your own world. Right. Um, and it's, it's vulnerable, you know, to be exposed. Hard. Yeah. To, to expose yourself to that kind it's of really constructive hard. criticism and judgment by people who, you know, I, I remember one of my favorite things I learned about Socrates in college when studying um, uh, ancient philosophy was he said, what are, there's three qualities that you need for somebody like that, a friend or a mm-hmm. spiritual coach, whatever. Mm-hmm. He said they need to be knowledgeable. So they had, like wisdom, obviously right. is what he's thinking. They have to know stuff. They don't have to know what excellence is, know what it means to be a good person. Right. They have to be, uh, they have to have goodwill. So they have to actually want what's best for you, right? To will the good of the other important. person. Yeah, you want, because the people will tear you down any, any time, any given moment, anybody will tear you down. Yeah. But to have somebody who's knowledgeable and will be actually looking to, for your best interest is mm-hmm. special. And then thirdly, this is one that I think people often forget because we love nice people. They have to be blunt because you have to be willing to actually give people the hard truth and tell them what they need to hear. You know, and so that's it's awesome that that was such a part of your story to have people who had those three things that are willing to speak into your life and say, hey, you know, because I mean, when you get called out, when you get challenged, and I've, I've had many people do that to me, praise mm-hmm. God, you know, that I've had just the right people, whether it's priests, friends, whatever, be like, dude, you suck. Why are you living like this? <laughs> you know, and it's not even you suck. It's that you have so much potential and you're really wasting a lot of it by being right. a, a jackass like this. Like you don't need to be living making right. these poor decisions and you're not happy when you do it, you know, you're happier when you're living your life the way God's calling you to live. So why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. But if you don't have those friends at, at those moments, cause yeah, especially when you get kicked out of the Catholic bubble, when you're not in that world anymore, whether it's a Catholic college or you're working for a, a Catholic organization, you know what I'm saying? When you're out there in the real world, you blend in with everybody. So you're like your, your mistakes and stuff. It almost not even, I don't know do you blend in, but a lot of times your mistakes or the sins you're making, like, seem minuscule compared to those around you so you actually can start to feel good about yourself well that and you're in the moment like in the moment yeah it doesn't feel wrong right like in the moment it feels almost nothing does and then after the fact you spend some time reflecting on or the next morning you recognize which does change more and more as your conscious gets better formed in the church agreed and in god you know what i mean because it starts to it starts to move over time where it takes sometimes three weeks for you to start to feel bad and you're like man i really did mess up you know a few weeks ago and then there's times where you know i always say like now when i have certain sins whether that's like being dishonest or something with chastity or whatever like i'm like there's a lot of times where i think about it in the moment like it's so much worse sometimes when I fail or if I'm mean to somebody, right. And I'm degrading them or being sarcastic in a way that I know is mean. Like a lot of times I like think I like actively choose to do the wrong thing where before it was just pure ignorance. You know, like I didn't know better. I didn't recognize that what I was doing was wrong. There's times that where it's like, I, it's like the Holy spirit, like my conscience is like, do not do this. It is wrong to do this. And I'm like, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And it's so funny that you use that word um, ignorance because I like actually wrote about, so I like had this thought process and I had this weird, this like moment where I was given this insight Mm -hmm. 
and it was literally about ignorance and it was about conversion of heart. Yeah. And, um, it was really about the splinter versus a plank. So like mm. you're my neighbor, I see your splinter. I, I don't, you know, I don't pay attention to that. This priest had this great homily that kind of led to this. And I have a lot written down here. I don't know if I thought I was like St. Augustine or what, <laughs> but I have you're a lot, ri- I have a lot written down you're that doesn't necessarily get to the point. But essentially what I was thinking was like, when you learn the Catholic faith, like it's very exciting for somebody who's beginning, like just learning the basics of it, learning what to look for. And usually it's easier. It's just, you know, naturally it's just easier for me to look at you be like, Oh, he's doing this wrong. Like you said, the person that you see out at night, who's going out all the time, it's like easier to just look at them to say, here's what they're doing wrong. This, this, and this. And then you call them out trying to be a good friend in your heroes. Yeah. But oftentimes it's not done with enough charity mm-hmm. for it to affect the person. The person's just like. And grace. And if you're not living an example that's actually bold enough, you're not going to change them. At first I thought you were just going to say it's easy to look at me. Well, you know, so I don't. I was blushing a little bit and I realized <laughs> where you were going with it. But. Um, so what do I have written down here? When learning the Catholic faith, it is exciting. Learning the principles it entails. These principles are essential to the truth. Um have a lot of stuff written down that I don't think I need to get into, but I'll go straight to here. So I just said a new Catholic and or somebody who memorizes the ways that Jesus taught us enjoys learning these principles, but often may focus on their neighbor as subject to these principles, failing mm-hmm. to focus internally or sh- shirking off these principles to not apply to their particular situation. So what I was thinking here is kind of, um aristotle like the a e i o of like the generals versus the particulars Mm -hmm. of like oftentimes when you think of a sin it can be you tend to particular particularize your situation and be like this sin doesn't apply to me because i was doing this a little bit you know i was doing this a little bit differently so i don't know if it fits into the general i don't know if it fits into adultery you know yeah like i don't think it quite does it might but i don't think so right because it's particular and you don't in reality like the general should just trump everything yeah like you shouldn't even allow if i'm you know if i think i went a little too far with drinking then I've already committed the sin of drunkenness, you know, that type of situation because it's so much easier to just be like, write it off and be like, no, I was good. Right. I was good. Yeah. You Um, know, one of my favorite things people always say is that we're great judges for other people, but excellent defense attorneys for ourselves. Right. You know what I mean? And it's amazing how easily we can start to justify or make sense of, because it's kind of, I mean, it's very much like a legal courtroom, you know, where they find these like little things to get somebody off. That's what we do for ourselves. And we justify just our, our bad actions and poor decisions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So just finishing this thought, claim, home, baby. claiming a general ignorance to it, whether they are actively doing it or not. Once the subject receives the sacrament of confession and through continual application of the truth in daily life, one's heart begins to turn ever closer to God's will. This is where the self-awareness begins and the heart converts more complete. One begins to see their own faults more and more trying to focus less on other shortcomings. This focus on the personal plank in your own eye Mm. um, becomes larger. So after you come to like the full conversion of heart, 
and you realize, man, I mess up a lot. <laughs> like I mess up a lot. Yeah. You go from pointing out, you know, I go from pointing out everything that you do wrong mm-hmm. to being like, man, I got a lot of things that I got to fix. Right. And I really need to focus on those. And even when I do see the things that you do wrong, maybe I try to focus on being more charitable towards that situation right? and focus more on you and trying to love you more rather than just pointing out everything because that's the easy thing to do is just point out absolutely and not doing it with, yeah, with love. And I think that that comes as you convert your heart over um, and don't claim ignorance and don't claim ignorance in these situations where it's very easy to, uh, to claim ignorance. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, my journey with that has been like prayer, prayer is the answer. I always say like, you probably need to pray more, you know, so it's always the solution for when I'm having struggles or whatever I'm doing in my life. And that awareness in my life has only come from my prayer Yeah, and taking time to reflect and be humble and, and really think about what am I doing? And, and I think it just, as you get closer to the light, that is Jesus. As you deepen that relationship, more of your stuff's going to get exposed. And the analogy I often make for people is it's just like when I got better at basketball, right? When you got better at baseball, you as a pitcher, at the beginning, when you're learning how to pitch, like if you ask a, an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, whatever they're like first pitching, mm-hmm. like what went wrong on that, that wild pitch? They have no idea. You know what I'm saying? But you would know like, oh, I like swung my hips too fast. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have a good grip on the ball. Right. Like that's like when I, was, when I got better at shooting, you know, I, I knew exactly like which finger, you know what I mean? Or like whatever I had done, my elbow wasn't in, like you know exactly what went wrong. And it's as you get those reps and you start to be more aware and you get better at it. And that's what I think these, like the ancient philosophers, that's what they meant about like human excellence. And like, what does it mean to be a good person? That's it. Like you, you get better at being a human and striving to live your life of virtue. And when you get more virtuous, the better you get. That's how people like, I remember people saying, uh, I think it was St. John Paul II and Mother Teresa both went to confession either like every day or every other day. And people were like, how could they do that? And it's like, no, it's the person who, is living a really ratchet lifestyle that, that takes six months to go back. Because when you're getting closer, you're getting more exposed and you actually become a professional, you know, and like at, at pursuing virtue and pursuing holiness. Like you get very, very aware of the little things that you're doing wrong, of the thoughts, like the, oh, yeah. the near occasions of sin that you oh, put yeah. yourself in. It's wild. Oh, yeah. And something else that I was thinking about before coming over here and doing this was I was – I'm, I'm terrible at reading. Like, I'm just not a good, I don't know. I've, I haven't read a book. And so, well, actually I have recently, but before that, like, I just always found it difficult. And I don't know if it's because I'm like finance and accounting and that's it. Or I don't know, but read Excel sheets. I did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I did try to get into, for whatever reason, I just felt this calling to buy, um, the collected works of St. John of the cross. Interesting. And I'd heard a lot. I was at a, um, I went on a retreat with a small group in Kansas city and the priest was focused on interior prayer life and talking about how important it is to spend some type of prayer every single day or sometime every single day in prayer Mm whether that be in silence in the adoration chapel, whether that be like just praying the rosary, you know, however you want to do it, you need to spend some amount of time in prayer every day. If you really want to live, you know, a devout 
devout lifestyle and he's a he's a priest so not even like devout i feel like is almost an overstatement of what that message really is because it's like if you want to be a christian like a basic christian you have to spend time in prayer it's like friendship yeah it's i mean it's a basic fundamental like it's like that's the equivalent to me of saying like if you want to be a human you have to breathe (laughs) you know what i mean like that's what prayer is to the christian life yeah if you want to have a healthy soul you have to pray i feel like devout and not not that i'm not criticizing you or him but just like just to clarify for people listening that like devout does not mean this like high and mighty, like when you're a 10 out of 10 Christian, like that's something you strive to. This is like one out of 10 beginning stages, one oh one course. The first thing you need to do is learn how to pray. Right. Right. So, and if you don't know how you need to, like, we got to figure that out. That's gotta be yeah. the next step oh, is you everybody. asking somebody to teach you, asking the Holy spirit into your heart to teach you. Yeah. And everybody thinks that there's like a specific way to pray and don't think that there's like, yeah, don't think that there's any pressure yeah, like, or any specific. It's not just learning go in a new there. language. Yeah, just go it's not in trying there. to learn Mandarin. You know what I mean? Like, just go in there and spend some time and whatever comes to your mind, just let it sit on your heart and figure it out. And you're, I don't know when we're going to release this. I might try to time it for this week is Tori wrote, this is baller blog about that um, for us just recently about just the impact that God can have in your heart, in your soul, when you just subject yourself to his presence yeah. in the tabernacle or in adoration that you don't have to have like some lengthy, beautiful prayers. No. You just got to, sometimes you just sit the there. The she's better. talking about sitting there and staring out of the window. I mean, she's like deep in her faith, you know? Yeah. So it's awesome. Like her vulnerability in that, especially in this writing where she talks about this is so powerful because it's yeah. just so relevant, you know? Cause there's so many yeah. people who struggle thinking, Oh, I'm not deep enough. You know, even like we were joking before this, you know, praying and it's like, well, I'm not as good. And it's like, yeah. no, nah, dude, like we're all good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like some people might sound better or be a little bit more powerful or whatever, but like everybody's, you can't be bad at it. Yeah technically yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? like, there's no, no maybe some people are better like you're more experienced some people are more experienced praying out loud in front of people I'm exactly sure, but, um but yeah it's, it's just and it's like anything else where the more you do it the better you get yeah yeah and saint john of the cross really puts a you know an importance on spending you know that dude was amazing i mean he was in a prison and he had to escape from it you know he was a carmelite and he just mm. You know, he spent a lot of time in prayer and he's one of the great, I'm pretty sure he's a doctor of the church. I'm not a hundred percent positive, but he's one of the great interior life, um, priests. I mean, he gives incredible writings on what it is and how you should be focused when you're praying and what the, awesome. what the importance of it is and what common things that people common things that people don't realize that they're doing within their prayer life, whether it's like making an idol of a statue or something as simple as that, you know, some people, some people may go in and be like, Oh, I have to have this certain rosary with me every time I pray. And it's like, you're not there for the rosary, right? You know, you're there to pray to Jesus and how important it is. And he just kind of brings back those simple things that, you know, you really just lose track of if you're not, if you're not paying attention yeah yeah. dude that's so important and and the rosary is a good example man and i love the blessed virgin mary like i love mary Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i mean she's a huge role in why i'm catholic uh but in like my conversion story you know but the rosary dude and even daily mass like i remember getting to a point in college where my my spiritual director he was a deacon at the time he was like dude and this is like low-key blasphemous to a lot of catholics right and Mm -hmm. i understand why it's a challenging thing but I, I'm a firm believer in it, mm-hmm. especially after I had this experience. Cause I was kind of, he kind of, you know, sometimes especially in spiritual direction, but generally you can have good friends or whatever, yeah. where they pull out something that you've kind of been thinking about and you kind of yeah. like have been, you know, feeling, Struggling but you, nobody with. said it. 
he said he was kind of asking like how's your prayer life been this and that like I had a goal of I never I've never been a daily mass goer but I've gone like I've set a goal of like three or four times a week for the last eight years you know what I mean it's been a consistent thing where I try to get to a few every week but he said listen man he's like if you come to a day and you only have 30 minutes he's like you need to make that 30 minutes prayer time not daily mass right and to so many people that's like mind-blowing but I say all the time and I, I want this to be a constant theme especially in the realm of Catholicism under the umbrella of seeking excellence is you can hide behind the rosary. You can hide behind daily mass. You cannot hide behind mental prayer. Nope. God can penetrate your heart when you were willing to subject yourself to silence, especially. And if you want to use something using scripture, but like kind of Alexio Divina balance where you're still entering into some silence and allowing God to speak to you and giving him that time. If you, you have to give God the mic and, and yes, God can speak to you through uh, receiving communion. He can speak to you through the homily of mass. He can work through you in powerful ways through the rosary. Great weapons. They're great habits. They're great things to do. You should still do them. Yes. But there's, I saw it at the Mount all the time. Tons of people go to daily mass every single day, have no prayer life. Yeah. No deep prayer life. They pray for two minutes before mass or two minutes after and, and three minutes after receiving communion. And it's like, dude, you got like 10 solid, everybody says 10 consecutive minutes, at least a day. And if you're not doing that, and I mean, goal being the 30, 45 minutes an hour, depending on your stage of life. But really, at any point, we should be striving for it. You know what I mean? But you can hide behind some of those other things. You can't hide behind mental prayer. Well, and as you spend more time in prayer, you realize how much more fruitful those other things are. Yes, exactly. You cherish them so much more. They're so much better. Yeah, that's right. And Because you're like, you're receiving your, your, somebody you're close to. You know what I mean? But you kind of like keep God a stranger to a certain extent if you don't have a deep prayer life, but you're going to mass all the time. Yeah. And it allows you for something that I notice, And I know we spoke about this earlier, but just like you start to need that silence. Mm -hmm. Like not that it's, there's so yeah, much going yeah, on. There's so much going on in your, in everybody's world. Everybody's yeah. busy. Everybody has a ton of things so many to distractions. do. And you begin to realize that once you have the silence, you're going to have to make it an effort first off to mm -hmm. get that silent time. But as you spend your time filling it with, you know, filling it with music or filling it with that background TV noise or filling it with whatever you do to like fill and multitask in your own mind, you're not really multitasking. Like you should put all your effort. You know, one thing that I notice is like at work, I began to just listen to music in the background. I've always loved music mm -hmm. and I noticed that distracted me from, from work. And like in that time I was supposed to be focused on work and not that I had like a super arduous job that <laughs> I needed to be mm -hmm. locked in every moment of the day, but like that's part of your life and you need to spend your time, even if it's tough sometimes to battle through it. Right. Like that's a sacrifice that I made Yeah. to, you know, I offered that up to God and be like, I'm going to be here at work and I'm going to solely focus on work being present, regardless of how hard it is to get through the day. And, you know, some days it's honestly super rewarding too, mm -hmm. but that times that it's two o'clock in the afternoon and nobody's talking and it's hard to stay awake. I got to offer up this, this tiredness that I have and be like, man, I'm going to sit here and focus on work and I'm going to get this done. Because I think there is an importance to that. I mean, it's like, it's like anything we do, you have to sacrifice it right up. Um, so yeah, that was just something that sat with me, especially like, and it allowed me to think and like be present with God 
mm-hmm. in those moments when I was silent rather than these other things are just running through my mind. I was spending my time with right. God at the work desk. Yeah, rather you can than pull him into some stuff. Yeah, I mean it's like he's sitting there with me. And that's right. a, which that's a, that's an awesome way to think about it too. It is. And I think that's what you're talking about is, is making a sacrifice. And and the thing that's crazy is it's not really a sacrifice, it's more of like an investment. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. honestly a privilege that we get to do that. Yeah. That you have that relationship with God and you can pull him into your day. And it's not worse than listening to Big Sean, you know, yeah. <laughs> like recognizing that actually, yeah. wow, I'm actually happier when I spend that time with Jesus as opposed to Big yeah. Sean in between these moments. Yeah. And you have this clarity and this peace that comes about through that. And I think that, you know, one of the things that's tough for people to understand about the Christian life is that the peace, the joy, the, the, just the general gifts, the fruits of the Holy Spirit come at a cost, you know, and, and it's so easy because we constantly especially we as Catholics, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, Catholics are like scarred and afraid to talk about like any type of works or like the sacrifice that you have to make for, for the Lord, because yeah. we get constantly hit by Protestants to say that you don't earn your way into heaven. You don't earn grace. You don't earn. And it's like, yeah, no, we, we get that. Like Jesus did everything on the cross. It is finished. You know, like he was not joking when he said that hundred percent right. agree. But for me to get closer to him, he talked a lot about the sacrifices you have to make, the people mm-hmm. you have to leave behind, the lifestyle you have to leave behind, the sins you have to leave behind. Mm-hmm. And these are what you're talking about. It's like it costs something to have that peace. And, and we have so many people nowadays who deal with anxiety or stress or all these different things. And it's like, but they want the peace and joy. They want the fruits of the Holy Spirit without any of the work. Yeah. And God wants you to be a part of your redemption. You know what I mean? Like he wants you to play a part in it. And it's not just your baptism and you're done. You know what I mean? It's not just your confirmation and you're done. Like he wants you to play an active role in not just your sanctification, not just your redemption, not just your salvation, but in the salvation of many. Yeah. And in order to do that, it, it comes at a cost. Just like anything where you have to be a leader, you have to change lives, you have to make an impact and you have to grow yourself. You know, just like you had to do as an athlete, mm-hmm. you can't, you're not going to get stronger. You're not going to get better at literally anything, whether it's reading something you might not like doing, working out, running. We both hate running. Like we're not going to get better at it just by hoping and wishing and praying about it. Right. We actually have to like set down some donuts, drink light beer, which is hard to think about. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But we got the the scotch and whiskey straight tonight, which I think is a little bit better, right? It's Yeah. I mean, it's good. The screwball is interesting. Yeah. He's got the the screwball peanut butter whiskey tonight that I'm trying to get rid of. Shout out to to Josie Kuhlman for that gift. Um, That does not keep on giving. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? But this monkey shoulder, this is uh this is that good stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then we'll take it. This is the scotch is great with the cigars. We've got cigars planned after this, yeah. which I'm really excited for. It's too bad we couldn't record the cigar conversation because that's what I feel like we're really getting into. It. Yeah, I think yeah. it's gonna be it. I, I will just bouncing off what you just said. Yeah. Yeah, um, bring us back. I would say that also like we live when people think of like sacrificing things, they're like martyrdom or something mm-hmm. intense, something intense that's not happening every day. Right. And especially for our times, how much different, how much different it is for us to sacrifice different things. And sometimes people don't recognize that that might be like work consuming them or something like, you know, I get there at seven o'clock and I see this with some of my coworkers now, but like, some people just spend so much time at work from 7 to 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. And they don't recognize that they're giving up some fruitful time with their family. Right. They're giving up fruitful time with God. And they're wasting with a lot their of that neighbor, time. And how important it is to, one, have that balance, but also, like, 
Absolutely. That's where you have to realize that you're sacrificing. And oftentimes people get caught up in money too. Mm-hmm. And they just think the harder they work, the more money they'll make. And yeah, it's just so important to recognize that life's not about the money. Right. You're living this for a much bigger purpose. Yeah, no, absolutely. And okay, so that's great. So I, I think uh, you just sparked a question for me that I'm really excited to ask you. This is going okay. to go a little bit deeper. And because I know some of your background and your story with this, but not all of it. Okay. You can share as much as you want to share. All right, I'll take that. But as far as sacrificing, this is, this is something that was really big for me. What was it for you? So obviously, like we've talked uh, extensively to, an ex- you know, in the past about we both, and I think we kind of bonded over, like, for better or worse, we bonded over the fact that like we both used to really enjoy smoking weed and we both right. used to enjoy getting drunk a lot and, right. you know, and, and chasing women, whatever it might be. What of those things or, or, or something else was it that you had to sacrifice, you know, air quotes on that yeah. to get closer to God that you realized afterwards was actually holding you back from a fuller joy and deeper happiness and living out your life's purpose? Well, I think just to start that one, I mean, that's still, you know, to be honest, like that's still a struggle in some sure, sense. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I'm not going to lie. That's still a struggle in some sense. So I would say the first one that I recognize is really just like drinking a lot. Yeah. Like just coming straight out of school. Like mm-hmm. I lived with some guys and we were, you know, we partied quite a bit and mm-hmm. especially when we didn't have to play ball anymore. Right. Um, five, six of us lived together and senior all, year. yeah, all six of us. Well, we played, yeah. Junior and senior year. We all played baseball together and by senior year, five out of six of us had quit. Wow. So like, it's turn we had up, a lot of free time. time. We had yeah. a lot of free time, and we're, there's five young men living in a all house All 21, together. yeah. So we had a lot of fun, but like, like we were going back to, um, as I got out of school, I was still doing the same stuff, and it didn't. I didn't realize it until I was like at this Bible study that like, oh, that's really wrong, and I shouldn't be doing that if I'm if I'm going to claim that I'm a Catholic, right? Like yeah. I can't be doing both of those things. Um, right. So not that I've been a hundred percent. Not that you can't be drinking, but you <laughs> yeah. can't be drinking like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm yeah. My wallet liked it a lot more, especially after I was done with that. But I have no doubt. Yeah, there is. Going out is not cheap. And not to say I shot a hundred percent since then. Like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel that. But also like smoking was so, I've done it for so long. Right. Like it was, yeah. I mean, it's just been something that, and I still struggle with that. Like, honestly, I still struggle with that up until this year too. Like, right. it's not like this year has been clean for me either. Mm-hmm. So like for me to, and I still, it's just so hard because there's so much changing in the sphere of our world right now mm-hmm. on like where things stand. Um, especially with like, not that I have any issues, but like the medicine part of it, it's like, where does that fit into everything? How are we going to have such a hard stance when we don't really even know where everything, um, where everything really falls with it? Sure. So I think I kind of, you know, I still struggle with that, but at the end of the day, like what is, what is the end of smoking? Mm -hmm. Usually regardless. And I always, this was kind of my, excuse or my stance on it was like people always say on drinking and they're two different things so it's really hard to compare them but people always say with drinking like once they get around a group of people like it's okay to have a drink 
with a, with a group and, you know, enjoy that sure. and, you know, we're doing it right now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I think my thought process was always what's wrong with me. Like getting, I've never, I haven't really smoked alone that much. What's wrong with me just hanging out with one of my bros and it's a bonding experience. Yeah. Like I'm hanging out, we, we get done and you know, maybe we listen to some music. Maybe we watch a movie, play some video games. What's the, what's the problem in that? And I think that was always my view on it. Yeah. It was like, I just didn't understand how those two could hold true at the same time. But you know, I do understand. Um, usually after you smoke, you get, you get high. So it's pretty hard to like, right. I don't know. There is obviously a difference between it and drinking as far as like it takes X amount of drinks for me to get drunk. And it yeah, takes the regulation X, of it is a lot harder. It, yeah, it, it is much harder. And, you know, I understand that, but I also don't want to, I also don't want to place everything on my own personal like experiences. Cause maybe I just had good personal experiences. Sure. And so I do still struggle with that in a sense of like, I don't really understand why it's so like hard like such a hard stance but i do understand that the ultimate end goal of smoking in most cases is just to get high right so like when that's your end goal it's pretty hard to like rationalize that act. Yeah. yeah it's pretty hard to rationalize in your mind like I should this, this is yeah this <laughs> is something to get closer to god with like right no it's not yeah no for sure. And I think, you know, my, my journey with that, my experience has always been, and what I always tell people with it is, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I love doing it. Um, but I think, I think the, the thing that I realized was I would not, some people can, can smoke weed on a regular basis and still be good humans. They can still do good things in the world. You know, it's not like everybody that does it is horrific. It's not that um, you can't, uh, do it and get good grades or whatever, you know, like it was the outliers of that. But I think that I realized that you can't do it and reach your full potential, not on a regular basis. You know what I mean? I was like, I realized when I was doing it on a regular basis that like I had less drive, I had less will to do good things. You know, like I just didn't care as much about others, about my responsibilities and all that stuff. Like right. I truly believe nobody does it regularly and reaches their full potential in life. Right. Even if you're good, if you're a B overall with smoking weed regularly, like you'd probably be an A plus right. if you chilled out, you know, and I mean, it didn't do that. And I look back at my friends in high school and college who did it on a regular basis and like, they're not where they should be, yeah. you know, now five, 10 years later, like they're just not doing what they should be doing as far as I'm concerned, based on their potential, whether it's their intellect right. their physical abilities, all that stuff. But I think your, your journey especially was, was interesting in having this, you know, having this similar background to me, I think we both had this experience is uh, the way that it affected your friendships, you know? So can you talk a little bit about like, what is it like, what have you learned on the back end, especially now that you've left college for a few years, you've moved now across halfway across the country to be out here with us. Uh, it would be here with Tori, I guess. I just threw myself in there as the, the third you wheel. Be part of it. Thank you. I you appreciate that. I like to think that I am. So, so yeah, I guess I just came out subconsciously, but you know, like that experience of like you had friendships and stuff that were surrounded about that, that were focused around drinking. And now you've had some friendships now that were focused around God and growing in your faith and virtue and being your best. What's like, what, what has been some, I know you've had a lot of frustrations with that recently. Like talk to me about some of that. What's been the difference there? Yeah. Yeah. It, it is, it is hard. You just recognize. And I think that's part of just getting older too, you know, as you, you don't realize it in the moment. No, you don't. The friends, and, the friendships of pleasure. So like, it's just when you're in it, it's fun as hell. 
And it's becoming much different with just like how, how the world works in general, like friendships just become, you can keep in contact with people who, you know, I can keep in contact with people who I went to college with, right. But don't live in the same city with that doesn't necessarily mean that we like, you don't have to talk to a person every day. Sure. But it does make it more difficult for, to keep that relationship strong. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that, I don't know. It it is very it is very difficult to keep relationships with people who also like don't really see the world the same way that you do, right? Or or want to. You know, a lot of times people just don't want to. They don't care about having morals or values or because that's hard. It's hard to hold yourself to something. Yeah. It's hard to hold yourself responsible. Yeah. It's not fun. No. But if you really want to get to heaven, then you have to take those strides. And yeah, I think that just some of my, some of my good friends, I love them all, but it's really about approaching friendships with mercy. A lot of the times, right. Being very forgiving of people, even when they, you know, when they hurt you and also having that candor to speak out mm -hmm. to people and let them know when you're hurting too. Cause that's something that I've noticed in my friendships is that, um, yeah, that's my, really big. My really good friends, they're not always good at bringing up problems. Yeah. And that could be why, that could be part of um, why they're not always, you know, why they're not into the value. You know, that could be the value saying that I'm talking about. Right. But it also, I think that that's just like some people's ways of handling things. And I'm just go about it. Like, I'm just ready to get into it. And I don't have a problem with letting you know, like, I obviously want to be forgiving and merciful yeah. towards you. Like, I want to make sure I approach it with love, like we spoke about earlier. But I think there's just such an importance of also, like, letting a person know when you're hurting. And yeah. just being open with somebody and, like, opening that wound enough to let them know, like, if you really care about me, we need to talk about this. Mm -hmm. We need to spend some time figuring out how to fix this because it's okay to feel upset with somebody and somebody shouldn't, when you do that, somebody shouldn't just run away from you right? And like yeah. neglect you. And that's not a good friendship or no, no, that's not a good friendship, but you know, it has been, um, it's been a learning experience, especially since moving out here because I didn't really have a ton of friends moving out to Cincinnati. And right now just learn. <laughs> Right now is not the greatest time to make friends. People aren't really <laughs> pandemic and all. Yeah, people aren't really um, open to to that type of friendship and meeting up and things like that. So it has had its challenges, but man, I've been super blessed with meeting some awesome people, and um, it's been a it's been a great transition. Honestly, that's yeah. amazing. That's great to hear. It's been awesome to be a part of it. Yeah. And so, dude, yeah. So I'm going to close with that. And just one of the things that you said earlier that I really wanted to touch on was you, you talked about like in your marriage prep, you guys getting like the first impressions or, yeah. or kind of like, what did you want in the other person? But the way that I kind of interpreted it at first was you talking about your first impressions. And so when you were talking about that, I was like, what were my first impressions of Tori and Seth? And I want to share those okay. <laughs> thinking about it. Okay. And so with Tori, because I know Tori will listen to this. And Tori knows this. I've, I've shared this with her before. But I think Tori, like, immediately, I was like, this, she's one of those people that, like, you can feel a peace around her. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I was just like, I, I always said to her, we had, like, this running joke. 
that like every time I went to, by to visit her office or just like spent time with her. Any conversation I ever had with Tori Sanders, you always leave feeling better. You can't describe it. You can't explain it. You know, there's no like really like in-depth reason of like what Tori did or said that made me feel better. It's just yeah. like, I just feel better about my life. I feel more optimistic and more hopeful. Yeah. And it's literally just like her presence. Mm-hmm. She's outstanding. Yeah. Huge fan. Yours, I remember meeting you for the first time. And you're, you know, you kind of, we joked about the, before this, before we got started about how different we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're much more serious than I am. Yeah. Mildly intense. I think some people would describe Probably you as intense. Probably so. I think yeah. I'm intimidating. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I, I, I apologize been, about that. I can anybody. be intense sometimes. <laughs> 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 you know, it's good. It's good. Blanket apology to the world. To anybody. Yeah, for my intensity. <laughs> but I think, you know, I like intensity. I'm about it as well. So like, but when I first met you, dude, I was like, this guy's not going to give me any BS. You know, like, I'm like, this guy's a mother-loving straight shooter. Like, he's not going to give me, he's going to cut the crap. Like, he's going to give it to me direct. And I, what I've been most impressed with, as I've gotten to know you more, is, like, you have, for being so intense and being, like, a, a tough dude, you know, and, like, I don't like, um, you know, I, I joke with people all the time, like, I don't like weak men. And people know that about me. And I knew that you weren't when I first met you, which is awesome. But what's impressive and what you've impressed me with consistently, you did today, earlier, uh, even tonight, you know, but is the it's tough to couple the strength with the vulnerability mm-hmm. and the openness to say what you were just talking about and then tell yeah. people like, dude, like that sucked, you know, like I did not appreciate that. Yeah. That hurt me. And just that's what good leadership requires that as well. You yeah. know what I mean? So very excited for you guys as you go on this adventure because you're two of my favorite people. So to see you guys get married and, yeah. and go and start this new chapter together is, is very, very exciting for me. And I assume exciting for you. Very too exciting as well. for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be great. And obviously for everybody out there, we, we did get back together about, yes, that's a good point. Yeah. Bring I mean, that back to home. bring it back. Yeah. We did get back together <laughs> Praise God. nearly a year later. And, you know, I attribute that to God really. I now mean, it wasn't, it wasn't my doing and yeah, that's been what a year and a half now. And now we're two months from marriage. Two so months, it's, yeah, two months in a week. It's going to be great. And I'm super excited for it. And you think that I don't know, just as you get more deep into, um, just to kind of wrap it back up with conversion, just as you get more deep into your conversion, something that never stops, Mm -hmm. you're always, you know, everybody has that moment that they, they feel it and they feel the conversion, but it never really stops. Like you're doing that every single day. If you're really, if you're really trying to become a good Catholic and really trying to put that time in. And I think that that's so important. And as you're evangelizing, people don't always, you know, you don't think back to the way that you got converted. So I think that that's important is just Mm -hmm. remembering when you're evangelizing that the way that you got converted. And I think that that's super important because there's so many ways to evangelize and it's not always just like inviting someone to daily mass. Right. It's not something like that. Sometimes it's just, being there and listening to somebody right or just somebody who's like there and just you can tell time. you know you can tell that they're hurt and just being like hey man what's going on just yeah. talk to me <clears throat> and something as simple as that so i just urge people out there not necessarily you don't have to invite people to daily mass to to evangelize just right. love people absolutely friendships are hard evangelizing is hard relationships are hard you know life is hard and it's going to be hard until we get to heaven and, and I think, you know, recognizing that. And so I encourage your listeners as, as we bring it home today, like think about what are the things that you're lying to yourself that you're saying that you'd have to sacrifice, that you'd have to give up in order to be your best. 
It could be a diet thing. It could be drinking. It could be a bad friendship. It could be a bad relationship. It could be smoking weed, whatever it might be for you. Think about that thing. Pray about that and offer it up to the Lord. It's time to get your mind clear, give yourself some silence, and really start to develop a prayer life. If you don't have a prayer life, I assume, and whenever somebody comes to me and they're asking me, you know, like, what should I do in this situation? And I'm like, how's your prayer life? It doesn't exist. Then I expect you to have serious problems. You know, that's my expectation. You're going to have serious problems. So think about that today. What is it that you need to sacrifice that you need to give up? Because we're two living examples of the fact that there's been lots of things for both me and Seth that we've had to give up and offer up um, that really weren't sacrifices. It's been a privilege to give those things up, to follow the Lord, to pick up our cross. And we still struggle immensely. And we share those struggles with each other. And I'm thankful for friendships like his that, we can be vulnerable and share our struggles with one another yeah. and help each other get back up when we fall down and uh, really pursue the sainthood thing together. So yeah. very excited about that. For more information on Seth, on Seeking Excellence, go to thosewhoseek.org. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Seeking365, Seeking365, and subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a review and check out our other episodes that we have, and you, you'll see the episode of Tori in our, in our recent episodes yeah. as well. So thanks, Seth. Thanks for coming. Yeah, today. thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You're doing an awesome job here, Nathan. So just keep it up, man. You got this. Thanks, brother. Let's go get it. Let's go smoke these cigars. All right, let's do it. <laughs>